0: Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from winning at home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman.
1: Well, Welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. Uh, Katie Schnack is my guest today. She is a writer and book publicist. She's the author of The Gap Decade, when you're technically an adult but don't really feel like it yet. She also has an upcoming book that's going to be released by InterVarsity Press this fall, September 23rd, called Everything Is Not Fine, A Finding Strength When Life Gets Annoyingly Difficult. Katie, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you for having me. Okay.
1: So Katie, first off, let's talk about The Gap Decade. What's the backstory behind that book? Like, how did you get into it? And and what was compelling to you about that question?
0: So The Gap Decade, I wanted to write it because basically it kind of goes through my life post-college through having our first baby. And when I was in that season, I saw so many people around me were kind of dealing with the same types of struggles. Um, Just as you really start to establish yourself as like a quote unquote full adult, there's a really big learning curve that life just kind of throws at you quickly. So I just wanted you to take a minute and look back at that and kind of address it because there was just so many themes that seemed to kind of resonate along among a lot of people. And so I just wanted to kind of talk through them and just see like this is crazy. We're all kind of walking through it, um, but there's hope too as we walk through.
1: So what are some of the things that you found yourself wanting to say to your 21 year old self when you were writing and researching the book?
0: Oh, man. I mean, first of all, like the main thing is like looking back, I can see how God just carried us through every challenge and every step of the way. And that's something that I always remind myself of now as we face new challenges, but also to just like, I don't know, like maybe lighten up a little bit, right? (laughs) It's like, it's like kind of looking back, like, you can, I can see now with perspective of looking back at my gap decade that like, like I said, like God carries you through, but also even though there were challenging times, there's a lot of beauty in it as well. And so I think it's important to just kind of take note of that and really kind of look for the beauty, even when things are challenging.
1: Katie, what do you think your parents did right when you were trying to navigate that really uh, kind of new and unique and ambiguous season of life?
0: what my parents did right that's a great question a lot of times like when I was doing a lot of interviews around the release of the gap decade a lot of people would say like people who were interviewing me were older and they maybe had kids who were in their mid-20s at that time and they would say I had no idea this is what what you were going through because a lot of times I feel like people who are older will look back and like oh in their 20s like they're having fun like you know, but also at the same time, there is so much trying to like get roots established and figure things out. So I think just like, I mean, what my parents did, right, is they were always just like there for me. And they're just there's good parents. And so like, I could always feel like I could come to them with any struggles. But I think just like now any parents who do have kids who are walking through those seasons of like 20s, um, even in the early 30s, starting their family, um, just being empathetic that like, there is a lot going on. And there is a lot that they're trying to get established and trying to figure out, yes, they're adults, but there's still a big learning curve and just to kind of have empathy around
1: that. I I love that you share that, Katie. One of the writers and researchers from Fuller Youth Institute, Stephen argues, said that he was having a conversation with a friend and his friend who is a parent of kids who are late teens, early twenties, said that he's often tempted to say, oh, when I was your age and Stephen very wisely came to him and said, you were never their age. What he meant, of course, was just because you were their age chronologically doesn't mean that you inhabited the same space in in history and culture that they're inhabiting. So some of the challenges that they're facing, some of the anxieties that they're experiencing are things that you really never, it was a needle that you never had to thread. How does that sit with you?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's true. I mean, obviously now there's a whole new set of challenges in terms of like, just like social media, just the state of the world. But also too, when I was doing a lot of interviews, I would get people who were older and who were generations older, looking back at being like, it wasn't like the exact same situations maybe, but I remember feeling that way. Um, And I think that's why, like, I was so affirmed in writing The Gap Decade because it's like, even though we're generations away like people still walked through that in their 20s and they're still going to for the next whatever generations right like it's never going to really change so like the exact circumstances might be different uh, but I think a lot of like the emotions and like like I said like getting established and trying to figure out like what it really means to be an adult well it's kind of always going to be there right
1: right Right. So talk a little bit about like how you were able to discern what like vocation and calling looked like for you, because I think that I know the script that I was given was like, hey, you go to college, you get life figured out. And then like the day after graduation, everything magically falls into place and you know who you are and you know what you do and you're off to the races, but it doesn't always work out that way.
0: No. And that's the exact script that I got too. And so that's why I wrote this book. Cause I think that's what people expect, right? Like they expect like, okay, I'm going to check all the boxes. I'm going to graduate high school. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to know what to do. I'm going to find the person I want to be with forever. I'm going to do this. And it's just going to fall into place. And then when it doesn't, after we've been like, just expecting that for so long, I think it really throws people
1: um for a loop. And just even you saying that is helpful to me, Katie, because I think What that script sometimes does that works against us is it tells us that if things don't work out that way, either something is wrong with me or something is wrong with God. And if we're like good Sunday school graduates, we're never allowed to say that something is wrong with God. And theologically, we don't believe that things are wrong with God. So the only alternative left is that something must be wrong with me. Like I have to be like inherently dysfunctional at some level. And it's super helpful to have mentors and friends and parents come along and say, like, nope, life just comes with bumps and twists and and turns and curveballs and and that's okay you'll find your footing one way or another
0: one way or another that's true and the calling um i have a quote in the gap decade actually and it's from elizabeth gilbert that says like i mean it's basically paraphrased but basically like it's okay if you don't have like a quote-unquote calling right like i know and i think that is kind of like something especially as christians that we like are extra fed as you know that's another part of the script, like you're calling, you're calling, like, obviously, we're meant to like serve Jesus and like love others at a very basic level. But sometimes people think that calling translates into like, vocational calling like career. Right. And sometimes it doesn't look like the same for everybody. And so like, I feel like especially like, you got this degree, you just graduated college, you might not know exactly what you want to do or the next step is. Um, and I think that just giving yourself grace with that and knowing that's okay, if that's where you are at, is okay. Um, I think that there's things that we can do to figure out like where God wants us. And that's just very simply like pray, right? Sometimes we forget that, but pray. Um, and just like, I don't know, don't let fear stop us from kind of taking those steps that seem a little bit scary, especially if we feel like the words God's really leading us. So yeah, I mean, I definitely like had a career switch after I graduated college. Um, for most of college I didn't even know what I wanted to do. Um, and I think Knowing now that that's okay, and you know, and giving yourself space to change and evolve and see what God has for you next like that's just going to keep your life interesting. So,
1: sure. Talk about the career switch. Where did you start, and how did you end up where you are now?
0: Yeah. So, um, I went to college for broadcast news, and I did do, I worked for a year as a producer at my local TV station. And I loved it. It was really fun, but it was also very depressing. <laughs> so because um, TV news is TV news. Um, so my husband got into a grad graduate school program in Texas. And so it was a year after I graduated college. So we moved to Austin and I had a completely fresh start. Like I could have looked at the TV stations if I wanted to and see like if I could get a job on the same thing, or I could just start over a year after I graduated college. Um, And I chose to kind of start over and just I realized that what I loved about TV news was just telling stories, and so I really wanted to just write, but write on my own accord, not just write about the local crazy thing that happened in the city. Um, So I just started pursuing, like, writing and book publishing, um, and I ended up meeting someone at a writing conference that got me into book publicity, um, which is, like, the perfect combination of writing and journalism, and so from there, it kind of all started, and now I'm just neck deep in books and PR and writing and all of those things. So it worked out in a way that I could have never planned for myself. But looking back, I'm like, Oh, that makes total sense. And God was with me with every step, even when um, for a year, I couldn't find a job. And, and I had to kind of just, you know, waitress to get by. So I think, yeah, it just kind of worked out in that way. But prayerfully, you know, I just took the next step that I knew to take. And then I trusted that God would eventually get me where I needed to go.
1: So. That's great. Thanks for sharing your story, Katie, to either parents of people who are immediately post-college or people who are in the early twenties, who may have a creative bent and might want to pursue a creative career, but aren't sure how to monetize it. They're like, Oh, I want to paint, or I want to go into media, or I want to go into writing. And they're like, but I don't know how I would do that and pay my bills. And, and, you know, you got a lot of well-meaning parents who are like, please, get a job that is not one of those things. What do you say to families who are in that space where there's there's this inclination towards creative or fine art type avenues, but people are not sure exactly how that works out in the quote unquote real world.
0: I love that you asked me that question because so I work in writing and publishing and my husband um is an actor. That's ridiculous, right? So it's like sometimes I'm like, oh man, what if we were like both like accountants and we like got a full time job like right when we graduated college like, you know, I think about that, but it's just like not who we are as people. Um, So we all like there was a time in my life when I literally prayed to God, I was like, God, please make me want to do anything except write books, because it's so weird and like niche and not lucrative. You know what I mean? And so like, but like, I just knew like, in my heart is what I wanted to do. And in the same vein, like my husband is in acting, and now he directs and he does all these things. But like, that was also a very weird career path but he was so good at it and like every step of the way since like high school like God would open doors and just kind of keep him in that direction um if it would have like taken a hard right and all of a sudden God took him somewhere else he would have been like fine but he didn't and so and now he's making and supporting a family like working in the arts and so am I and so I think that like if you really feel like your heart is called towards something creative and it's not like a quote-unquote like rational career, God will open the doors for you. You know, you just, you know, be a smart person. Don't do something dumb and like, you know, and just kind of follow where God really is leading you. When we were in grad school, my husband's graduate program, um, Meryl Streep came and talked to his class once and I was able to sit in and this is a really random story. Like why am I talking about Meryl Streep? But um, I actually was able to sit in when she did like a big talk back and I asked a question. I was like, it was kind of like what you just asked me. It was like, what would you say to someone who like wants to pursue a creative career, but feels like they should make a more like rational choice, like something that's more, you know,
1: reliable.
0: Yeah. Responsible, reliable. And she goes, she goes, it doesn't matter what career you choose. You can always get fired. You can always lose your job. Like there's no, like your industry could go completely upside down the next day. Like there's no like rational choice that's completely safe from anything. Um, so I think you just have to be true to who you are as a person and just prayerfully go through it. And I know life is short and we only get one shot. And so don't just no regrets. So pursue what you want.
1: I love that you say that, Katie, because I think that a lot of times, either as parents or as young adults or middle-aged adults, for that matter, I think a lot of times we're trying to solve for security, especially when we have bills and especially when small people that were responsible for coming into the equation were like, oh, well, I have to do the right thing and the responsible thing. And for you to be able to say, like, there's risk in every single industry. So if you're stepping away from something that you're wired for called to gifted for in, in the attempt to do something that is safe and secure and predictable. God has a way of upsetting those plans just to make sure that our reliance is on him. And I I was even journaling this morning. I felt like God was saying, Steve, if there's any idol that you tend to towards, it's the idol of security. Mm -hmm. So if live a life of open-handedness and faith and risk, and that's not disappoint you in time.
0: It's true. And I love the open-handedness thing. I think there's like a quote in the gap decade where I got really weird and I was like, keep your palms open, like a weird hippie. Like, I don't know, but like, it's true. Like you have to have like open hands and be like, God, what do you have for me? Um, I'm a super planner. And I'm like always like stressing about like money and things. Um, But my husband is very chill and he always is like, I'm always like, what are we going to do? Like, what's next? He's like, God has literally made every move for us. Why would it be any different now? Right. And, And he's always reminding me of that. So even like when he was in New York and like we're trying to be an actor and stuff. And like, it wasn't, he just like, he's like, God, will just figure it out. And he did. So it's, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of like a little mini miracle that I've seen happen so many times in our own life. And I know that'll continue to happen moving forward too.
1: So good. I love that you talk about like palms up. Augustine has this quote that says God gives where he finds open hands. And so I wonder if sometimes we inadvertently miss out on the gifts that God wants to give because we're white knuckling something that we fixed our eyes on that God necessarily hasn't chosen for us. Oh,
0: absolutely. Like one time, like after grad school, we had had our first baby and we were living in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, my whole family was in Minnesota where I grew up. And I was like, I want to move home. Like, Sure. And so I said to my husband, I was like, you apply at every single college in Minnesota. I don't care if they're hiring, like just figure it out. Right. And so like, he's like, he's like, fine. Okay, whatever. But God will do, you know, what you need to do. So he applied to every college in Minnesota and like the net, like whatever, nothing was really happening. My sister calls me and she goes, I know you're trying to move home, but we're moving to Florida. And I said, (laughs) that's super annoying because we're trying to come be with you and raise our kids together and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so one week later after that, my husband gets a call from his professor that in Florida where we called and he goes, I'm leaving. Do you want my job? And so like, it was like not even on our radar to ever come back to Florida. My sister was already moving back a week later. God was like, surprise, Florida is also in your cards as well. So I think it's like, we can do so much to try to like orchestrate our future and our life trying to apply to all these schools that aren't even hiring and just wasted all of your like week. Um, but then God can just literally open a door and be like, but you should be over here. Yep. So it's pretty awesome. So.
1: I had a a graduate school professor once who said that sometimes God leads us through negative preparation. Sometimes God leads us through what we don't want. Right. So, and sometimes there are things that we do want and God is like, God doesn't just close doors, God slams doors. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess that's not the place that I'm supposed to be. And so God is kind of like trying to corral us, like almost like blind sheep (laughs) to make sure that we get to the spot that we're supposed to be. Mm
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting how like the slammed doors you can try and you can try, but you have to just prayerfully palms open, just see like, okay, this is what I'm going to try. But then God can do something that's completely better than you got a plan. So like, why would I want to be in Minnesota? There's a lot of snow. Like, I'm in Florida. I'm never really in Florida now. Like, I think that like I'm sitting here and it's like 90 degrees in January. And I'm like, why did I want to move back there? I don't know.
1: I've I've been in Minnesota in February and I've been in Florida in April. And those are two different planets. It's, so I, I think, I think it landed well.
0: Yeah, I agree. So
1: Katie, talk a little bit about the upcoming book that's coming out in September. Everything is not fine. What what's the backstory behind this particular project?
0: Yeah, so it's called Everything is Not Fine, Finding Strength When Life Gets Annoyingly Difficult. Um, and basically, um, it's kind of going through a bunch of like unending hardships is the main theme. And so there's a couple different things with that. Um, the main one is my son was born with a rare condition called bacterial association, where he has. Um, a handful of um, malformations on very large and important body parts that we're kind of just working through. Um, it's super rare. I'd never even heard of it until um, I was pregnant with him. And well, actually until two years later, after he was, he was finally diagnosed when he was two. Um, but it's about that. And when we received the diagnosis that he had bacterial and that he had like heart conditions and all these things, it was in the middle of the pandemic as well. So it's kind of like a bunch of different themes of like, when you don't know, when the light of at the end of the tunnel is ever going to come, or if there is even going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, right? So like sometimes with things like there's no fix with death, like disease that is chronic and forever, like it's never going to be okay. So like, what do you do with that, right? Like everything is not fine. It's not going to be fine. But like, how can we still have joy um, and peace within that? And so it kind of talks about a lot of things, like even with the pandemic, right? Like we never knew when that was going to end, right? And like, it was kind of like grief after grief after grief, as we were like a year and then two years into it. And just like, what is, when is this going to be better? Um, And so like, how, like through that, did we find joy and find like, you know, peace in our day to day with my son? How do we like stand up every day, even when we're facing like so much unknown, Um, and I think the main thing at the end is like, even when you feel like you're at like the lowest, or you don't know when the light of the tunnel, just finding God in those moments, um, can be such a beautiful thing. And so I just hope that it gives hope to people. Um, anyone that's kind of just in like a stage of life where they're just kind of like, I don't know why I'm here, what's happening, why we're dealing with this. Um, that even in our lowest points, that God will still be there and can, give you strength just to get up and not even just get through the day, but find joy even as well.
1: Katie, when your son got diagnosed, what, what did your conversations with God look like in the wake of that?
0: That's a great question. So, I mean, they've definitely evolved. So we're still dealing with a lot of things this this condition it's like I call it like parental torture because it's like it's not like oh we had a heart defect and then we fixed it and whoo you know that was a crazy time right it's like heart spine spinal cord like all of these things that we just like have to deal with piece by piece um so what that has um created with us is endurance right like endurance facing hard times like I said like that don't really end um but we still have to keep facing them my conversations have been all over the map, um, for sure. But like, just recently, I think that like, last summer, my son had spinal cord surgery, and he was three years old. And I thought it was one of the worst moments of my life. But like, God carried us through at every moment. And of course, and like, it was, you know, and I write a lot about that in the book. Um, But then we just found out that this summer, he has to have kidney surgery. And so I was pissed. Steve. Sure. <laughs> like, my conversation with God was, I was mad. And like, and there also have been times too. when, like, I don't know, I think what I've learned through long on ending like hardships is that you just have to really think about like, okay, this is how I'm feeling and be honest with it. Cause if you say, oh, everything is fine. Like it'll be fine when it's not like, it just starts to fester. So what my conversations have been like, is just been honest, whatever that feels like in that day. And sometimes that's just praising God for like, thank you, God, that, you know, I'm here and I'm, you know, I'm feeling joy today and like I'm up. Um, but other times it's like, I'm mad that my son has to go through this. And I'm mad that my husband and I have to go through this again. Um, and just seeing like, and I, of course, like God can handle all of our feelings, right? No matter what they are. Um, but I've just learned to like really recognize what I'm feeling, be honest with it, take time to feel it. Like usually it's like, even if I need to take a day just be sad. Yeah. And then just kind of get back up again and keep trying. But I think the honesty has been the most important thing with the Lord and he can handle it.
1: So. I'm just so grateful for your candor, Katie, because I think that a lot of times people say, well, yeah, it'll be hard, but it'll get better. And you're like, well, yes. And no, like there are parts of the journey that, okay. Yeah. We got the the spinal issue resolved, but now we have another issue. It's like kind of whack-a-mole, right? Like this thing got went away and now this thing popped up and Mm -hmm it seems like God is teaching us tenacity and perseverance along the way. What, what have been, again, at the risk of sounding twisted or insensitive, what have been some of the gifts of that whole journey for you and your husband and your son?
0: That's also a really good question. And I think there's been, there was a time when I would have been like, no, nope. Hey, <laughs> like, there's no, sure. that's <laughs> you fair. Know what I mean? um, and I feel like I'm kind of a person and I talk about this in the gap decade. And then of course, and everything is not fine. We're like, I just wish everything was easy, right? Like, that's just who I am. I'm just like, yeah, just, you know, because like I'm a very positive and like happy person um, and I just wish that things were easy. But then through this specifically, um, I've learned that, I mean, I knew before that things aren't always going to be easy, but like I still tried, right? But like what this has really taught me is just like, there is, it is possible to find joy and to find happiness even when you're facing these long-term situations.
1: What have been some of the blessings? Like, have there been any silver linings? Have there been gifts okay. along the way? Like things that God gave you or God showed you that would not have happened if you had had a parallel universe type of existence?
0: I know it is hard because it's hard to like, I always try to not put a toxic positivity spin on mm-hmm. things. Cause like, mm-hmm. again, like, and this is just my story, but there's so many people who are facing like a death of a loved one, a death of things that can't be fixed. Like, right. Um, so it's hard to be like, Oh, here's the positives, but there are positives and that I have grown in ways that I would have never been able to groan without facing this trial. And mm-hmm. it's hard to even just like say that because it's like, like I was saying, like, yes, I wish that I didn't have to go through it, but we do. And we don't know why, but I do know that like, I have a different appreciation for life. I'm able to like, no matter what hardship is thrown at my husband and I now, like, I feel like we can kind of like find a baseline of like, okay, we can handle it. Right. Like we can handle whatever's next. It kind of is like it forced me to get stronger um, when I didn't even want to. And what God's going to do with that, I don't even really know, you know, because we're still like walking through it. Um, But I do know that like who I am now is a lot different than who I was um, when we first found out about my son's heart defect when he was in my womb. Right. Like, and now like whatever happens, like I have tools, like knowing like, okay, like, yes, something else popped up, but like, I know God's going to be there. I know God's going to carry us through like, this is the things that I know are going to help me. Um, so it was kind of just like forced strength training. Um, yeah. and that's at this point, that's probably the biggest blessing. And also to like just such an empathy for other people who have sick children or other people who have kids with disabilities, um, that I never had That's kind of thought process about before, um, because my daughter is very typical and not medically complex or anything like that. And so just kind of having a greater empathy for that. And I do feel like as we move forward, just I want to connect more with that community too. And just like mm-hmm. help encourage people who might be walking through something that is not exactly similar, but similar.
1: Right. Because now you have eyes to see people in situations yeah. that you just, they weren't not, not that you were hard hearted, but they just weren't on your radar before. Cause it was never part of your experience.
0: Absolutely. yes. Yeah. So like for example, my friend the other day, her daughter got tubes put in, right? Like such a common thing, but like, I know what it feels like to be sitting in that waiting room when your child's not with you and they're on her anesthesia. If it's tubes, if it's spinal cord or whatever, and it's, it's not fun. Right. So like, I would just be able to like pray for her better and like empathize with her better because like, yes, it's just empathy, right? It's what it is. It's like giving you a greater understanding about what other people are going through. And that, that really is a gift. It really is.
1: Katie, I love that you mentioned toxic positivity because I think that it's something that church people can be uniquely prone towards, right? To be able to right. say like, okay, I believe in God and God is a God of joy and God commands joy. So we're just going to figure out a way to kind of push everything that's scary and sad and disheartening, like underneath the waterline and pretend that it's fine. I'm like reminded of that Amy Poehler character in the Disney Pixar inside out movie, you know, she right. plays joy and, and that great line. It's like, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Right? And right. It's, it's not. And to say that it's not, not only- not only does it like hamstring us and mm-hmm. short circuit us and our ability to live all of the fullness of life that God calls us to, but, it, but to your point, it's not fair to other people who are suffering because if we deny our suffering, we don't give them permission to be fully present in theirs.
0: Yes. And I love that in the beginning of everything is not fine. I kind of was, it, it kind of goes through a text message conversation I had with one of my best friends where I was like, I just wish that like, I was stronger, that I was a pillar of faith for people. Right. right. Like all I could do in that moment, like when I knew that my son was facing this impending surgery was like cry and like hide in my bed. and like be worthless. Right. Um, but she's like, but maybe that's what strength is like asking your people to just pray for you and being like, I don't know what's going to happen. I need God and need prayer. Um, and so I think that like, because like, if you always seen those people who like, you know, on Instagram or wherever, and they're like, oh, we're facing this really hard thing, but like everything is, you know, like, And then, like, if you're facing a really hard thing and you don't feel that way, you don't feel like a shining pillar of like faith or like whatever in that moment, you're like, oh, so again, like, what's wrong with me? Like, why is my faith not strong enough? But it's just not true. I have another friend who her son was born with some differences as well. And she was early on kind of telling me, like, everyone's going to be like, oh, well, at least he doesn't have this, or at least, you know, he doesn't have this. But like, It doesn't matter, like if you're getting tubes put in or getting whatever, your heart is still broken for your child. Right. And so, just being able to kind of like feel that and walk through that, I think it's important.
1: Awesome. Well, Katie, thank you so much for your insight and your gift for you sharing your story and sharing it um, with with courage and candor in a way that's actually helpful to those of us who are experiencing seasons and moments of life that are certainly less than fine. The book comes out this fall. How can people pre-order it and share it with their friends and their network?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It comes out September 26th. Um, It is available for pre-order now on Amazon um, and then it's on University Press website as well. It's all the places that you can pre-order and I'm super excited for it to be out in the
1: world. Katie, if people want to get in touch with you and your work, where where should they go?
0: Yeah, it's katyschnack.com is my website and I'm on all social um, at Katie Schnack and that's S-C-H-N-A-C-K.
1: Perfect. Well, Katie, thank you so much uh, for sharing your time with us and can't wait to wrestle down the book when it comes out.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.